Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by Tristan Lee. Good afternoon, Tristan. Good afternoon. Great to be here. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm doing really well. And uh, thank you for coming on. So I would also say for the benefit of our listeners here, Tristan has dressed for the occasion um, and is uh, wearing a very um, colorful bow tie, the full works. So Tristan, it's awesome. So thank you for dressing up for the occasion. Do you know what? I mean, I spend most of my day wearing bow ties and I, you know, I, I take a bit of pride in my appearance because it's a gift we give to ourselves and others. So I'm, thank you for appreciating. Awesome. That's it. Well, Tristan, tell us, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Because uh, that's like blind date. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to be Graham. That's who I really want to be in life. Graham you are. Was, uh... <laughs> you are. You are. So, um, my company name is called The Gorgeousness Coach. Now, most people are like, what is that? Well, it is a health and wellness life coach. So I, what I cover is quite a wide variety of things when I work with clients, from self-esteem to fitness to nutrition, to I even coach people with their businesses. So really anything to help people to look and feel their best. So rather than say health and wellness life coach, I kind of came up with the gorgeousness coach just because I really felt I wanted to add at something, something that make, might hopefully make people smile. So I am London based. Uh, my family, uh, half of them are from Cornwall. The rest of my family are from Iceland. Hence my fiery temperament. <laughs> so there we go. So fire in the belly. So I've got some fire going on. And that's from my Viking ancestry. So just, just to warn you. <laughs> I love it. And I love the, uh, the, the gorgeousness. It's, you know, getting the, the full, you know, it, it's all, it's not just gorgeous. It's the gorgeousness. Yeah. I just thought if in doubt, stick this on the end. That's, that's a very good philosophy of life. Yeah. I just think fabulousness. Mm. Um, I can't think of anything more right now, but they'll come to me. Glamorousness. <laughs> awesomeness. Like- it's like third person identity and qualification. I like it. Oh, I really, I hadn't thought that far ahead, but yeah, yeah sounds good that's, to me. That's awesome. So, <laughs> so obviously the common theme here seems to be the coaching side. Yeah. Why? Why my coach or what's, yeah. What's what, yeah. what so it was never my plan to be a coach. I mean, it's so funny how things happen, isn't it? And I'm very glad things have happened the way they have because, um, you know, I'm 50 next year. I never thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now. You know, if you, tell, if you told me 15 years ago I'd be doing what I'm doing now, I wouldn't have believed you because I was very much in the kind of entertainment industry. So, God, that sounds a bit sordid, doesn't it? <laughs> People say that like, you're a porn actor. No, um, not that I remember. Yeah. I, uh, I worked as a freelance singer and entertainer for years, as well as a couple of business side hustles. But when I got to my late 30s, 
having had a really, really, really difficult time emotionally, um, I had to really take stock of where I was going and decided on a, well, I think life decided for me, if I'm honest with you, because was, this was not my plan, um, that I would move in a very different direction where I went from being more of a clown um, to being more of a, hopefully someone who inspires people to value themselves. So there's a common thread, I think, because I, I want to make people happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's been only been the past few years. Um, so I was just doing my own thing, taking care of myself. And people started asking me, well, you, you know, you look good. You obviously take care of yourself. You eat well. People just noticed the improvements I've made for myself and asked them, they asked me to help them. So um, for me, coaching kind of found me. I didn't find it. I didn't decide, oh, I think I'll be a coach. Um, I've you know, done courses and I've learned and refined my coaching style, but it's, it's, it's very bespoke and it, it was very organic how it evolved, which I'm very grateful for. Mm, absolutely. And, and it's, I mean, it's quite often the most powerful way to be because you've, you've been on the journey, you understand that the highs, the lows, where you're going, where you're coming to and from. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference, okay. right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think whatever we do, it, it, it helps if, if you can be authentic, if you speak from experience. Um, I think a lot of people go, I, everyone seems to be getting into coaching right now because they see it as a, a viable way to have a, you know, decent income potentially. Um, nothing wrong with that. But I do think, you know, I don't think I'd go and see a 19 year old life coach. However, who knows? That's not me being shady. I'm just saying. You know, I you know I, I don't want to see a unfit personal trainer. I don't want to see a uh, unhealthy doctor. I don't want to see a poor accountant. I, if I'm going to go and if people pay me good money to help them, it's because I do it myself, and it's so embedded that they can trust me that I know what I'm talking about. I think that's really important. And as I've hopefully hinted already, we really want to try and find ways to enjoy the process because most people, when they talk about you know losing weight or getting fit or improving their self-esteem, it, it doesn't really thrill us and excite us, does it? Whereas I'm saying, I'm not saying it should be a barrel of laughs, but we need to try and find ways in our own way of making that a, hopefully a pleasurable journey. So if we can laugh a little bit, if we can be a bit more authentic, a bit more honest, uh, a bit more transparent, then I'm all up for that. So that's how I, that's how I roll. Does, does that tally with your, um core values yeah for me i'm i'm attracted to people and situations where i really feel i can believe someone i i i I don't always trust people easily i really want to know what's really going on like let's i think you know i suppose because i suppose many years i covered up some of my insecurities as a performer and i think that's quite a common thing I think in all areas of life, uh, particularly performers, you know, it's just overcompensating for having very poor (laughs) self-esteem. And I'm not sorry about it. I have much, much better self-esteem now. But authenticity um, and honesty. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be the coach I would go to. You know, and I seem to attract people that want what I have to offer, if that is a if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it is, it's, it's interesting. And I think even as you say, the coaching game, it's, 
I think there's a number of coaches that need to go to a coach. You know, it's almost, you know, pe- people sort of lean into that space. It's very trendy now, isn't it? Life coach, this and that. And I, I use the word life coach because people understand what that word means. But even though I don't actually use it because I call myself the gorgeous coach. And most people are like, what, you know, as I said before, what on earth is that? And on the surface, it's kind of sounds ridiculous. I'm very aware of that. Because <laughs> people, I sometimes get a little bit of hate on social media. Say the gorgeousness coach, that's ridiculous. And I know, and I reply and say, yeah, I agree. (laughs) It does sound ridiculous. But it's it's a phrase and uh, a word that gets people's interest and then we can go a bit deeper with it. But I'm I'm really interested in people being real. You know, I haven't got the energy not to be. So, you know, take me or, or leave me. This is who I am. Hey, listen, I'm pulling no punches when, when I self-brand myself as Mighty Pete and Fire in the Belly. It's, um, you know, you're wide open to, certainly in the UK, anyway, the Americans get it. They love it. Oh, well, I know. God bless America. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's like cynicism in, in the UK. You know, that sounds a good name for a, an, a, like a music album. Cynicism in the UK. <laughs> like a Sex Pistols album. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm like cynicism, fine. I, I can deal with that. I just... Just crack on and do what you do. Sure. So tell me, Fire in the Belly, what, what does it mean to you? Um, fire in the Belly, something, something that really uh, makes you uh, feel alive. Yeah. So like a really, a really kind of dynamic energy, something that kind of is beyond something like motivation because uh, you know like light-hearted things like motivation whereas the fire in the belly is is kind of grittier yeah so i i think it's like a roaring a roaring fire i mean that's obviously you know fire in the belly but there we go that's what i see a bright light constellation yeah and do you have that in your life do you know what i do god thank god <laughs> thank god because you know having always been interested in, you know, what makes people successful, uh, whether they're, you know, celebrities or not celebrities. I've got people that I grew up with who had quite ordinary jobs, but they loved what they did. And I spent a lot of time really not loving what I was doing and just really going through the motions and feeling very uninspired and not having much fire in my belly. And I think because of some very difficult times and very dark times, um, I do have a fire in my belly and it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, we can call that purpose. You can call it joie de vivre. You could call it destiny. You can call it lots of words. But for me, yeah, I do have a fire in my belly. I've got something I want to do, something I want to say. Um, and uh, it's a wonderful thing to have it because I know what it's like not to have it. So I really, I really bask in its glow. Are you, so are you objectively driven or are you openly driven? Oh my God, that's a pretty interesting question. I am inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm inspired. I'm inspired to, um, again, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> oh, really deep? Okay. Yeah, that's what we do here. That's cool. Okay, all right. I don't know. Cause some people like, just keep it light, Ginger. Keep it light. <laughs> it's like... Uh, podcast light or podcast full fat you want full fat we go full fat we brought the shovels let's go okay (laughs) 
Okay, so we've just been talking about fire in my belly and why, what that fire is. So for me, I think it's, it's not so much about, you know, ambition. It's more to do with, I think every single person has something they're here to do. And I don't care if that sounds grandiose. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It could be anything. And I've always had a sense, I'm, I, I, there's something important that I'm, I'm meant to do. And I spent many years looking for what that might be. And it turned out to be not what I thought it was. Because I was like, oh, well, I'll just have my own chat show or I'll be on TV or I'll be famous. And maybe I still will be. Um, but what, what I have learned is what I feel I am meant to do is share my own experiences and see if that helps other people by being myself. And that seems to be working pretty well at the moment. Didn't work for many years because maybe I was not in the right mind set or the, my, the right state of mind. So, you know, it, you know I, I think I do have some ambition and I do have things I want to do, but I, you know, I do feel I have something to say. But do you, you know roughly where you're going? I have an idea of where I'm going, yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, it's like, how do we define success? You know, just success for me is a daily thing. If I am, if I am helping you know, my clients and I am taking care of myself and I feel like I'm growing as a human being and growing in my abilities as a coach, that's a success. So I will forward join the dots. And yeah, I have kind of images in my mind of where I want to take this that for me and all human beings have a, a desire to expand and grow. And I'm like, okay, what does that look like? So I'm just trying to take the next step. And you know, there's some, some of that is more kind of emotional and some of that is quite practical. So I try and sort of have both those things going on. I'm not so controlling of what I want it to be that I don't allow it to find its own way. Um, and that's something I've really had to learn because I, I, it seems my business is moving more and more towards helping people with their weight. And I never thought I'd be doing that. But you have to respond to what's working. You have to respond to what people want. And, you know, I always want to help people feel good. And if, if it turns, it seems to be more and more people that I, who come to me, know that I help people to lose weight. But the way that I do that is by helping people to recognize their own value. And that seems to be a side effect. You know, I, when I started working with people to help them with their wellness and their self-worth, they end up losing weight as a sort of side effect, which I think is, was, has been lovely. Um, so my business is evolving and I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to go with that. I want, the intention is to expand myself, expand. My business will only really expand if I expand myself, if I invest in my own wellness, in my own personal development, if I'm aware of what's working, what's not working. And, and I, I have an, a, a kind of vision of kind of where that's going, but I am flexible enough to go with what, you know, what, maybe what life wants me to do. Yeah. Interesting then, would you, would you describe sort of weight loss, weight gain, weight in general as a symptom more than a cause? You know, it's, I would not want to generalize because, you know, 
weight, obesity, you know, God, I mean, it's, 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 it can be complicated. For the majority of people I work with, you know, when I dig a bit deeper, now I'm not saying this is the same for everybody because it's, it's not that black and white, I don't think. In my experience, when I work with people, when it comes to, you know, what they eat, I, I do ask them what's eating them. You know, what's, what's leading to your choices? What's leading to you making the choices? And a lot of it, and again, I don't want to generalize because it, that would be kind of insulting to people because there are reasons why people are larger. It could be genetics. It could be health issues. So I don't want to go, oh, well, it's just because, you know, of, you know, having low self-esteem or something. Um, but in my experience, the more we, the more we explore someone's birthright, the value they have as a, as when they're born, and reinforce that your value, whether you lose weight or not, is intact. It seems to be that people start making better choices. They start eating a little better, more healthily. They, I mean, I work with people in metaphors a lot of the time or, or imagery where, you know, you're a valuable car and, you know, what would you put in your tank and your engine? And, you know, over time, people start feeling, yeah, I am valuable. And if I'm, if I, and I deserve to be healthy. And if healthy means eating a bit less or eating a bit better, then that seems to be where people, in my experience with working with people, um, that it just seems to be a side effect of, of people really reconnecting to their own value. And sadly in our culture, especially when it comes to weight and especially for women and more so for men, people's worth and their weight are so intertwined. People don't realize their worth is not their weight. Their worth is not their status, their income, their looks, the number of likes on their social media. Um, your worth is because of who you are, not because of what you do or have. So that's easier said than done. So reinforcing that mindset over time or that thought process over time seems to be working. You know, and, I, and this is not just, well, let's just talk about that because I help people with, you know, simple practical things like, well, let's look about what you're eating and, and portion sizes and, you know, but the premise of my work is you're already good enough. So most people who I speak to, like, I would like myself more if I were slimmer. And I totally understand that because we live in a world where we're judged by our appearances, we judge ourselves by our appearances, it's just everywhere in our culture. However, I'm saying, listen, if you do lose weight, brilliant, I'll help you to do that. But the way we get there is maybe a slightly different route than most people think. Because I'm not saying, I'm not gonna take anything away from you, I'm not gonna take food or what you like away from you, I'm gonna help to reveal who you really are. And when you start to get a, a, a better understanding of your value as a human being, you start to make better choices that work for you. And it isn't one size fits all. I don't want to be black and white about it. it. That's just my experience. Now I know I watch documentaries about health and wellness all the time. And there are some very interesting studies about, you know, um, obesity being genetic, uh, obesity um, you know, and, and, and relationship with our gut health and the way that, you know, there's just, it's fascinating. So I don't want anyone to think, oh, I just, I'm just saying, well, if you feel better about yourself, you'll lose weight. But I, in my experience, that has, the work that I do has produced significant results. You know, when people, people need to be guided both emotionally and practically.
and you know my clients lose weight as a side effect of care and love and um, appreciation it's funny because i've actually written down you know sort of mental weight physical weight and emotional weight that's it's all a carrying as such a, a, a storing or a holding back of I'm, I'm interested in that, you know, and so, so everybody I coach is really different. So some people, I, I have one lady who's really open to the, the idea that she's carrying around emotional weight, which is literally weighing her down. And she had a, issues with abuse. Now, again, I don't be cliche about everyone that's overweight has had some sort of abuse, but there seems to be a common thread at times that people are carrying around a certain weight. And when we start to value ourselves more, and I work with affirmations, you know, I'm learning to let go of any emotional weight that no longer be, uh, belongs to me. People start to feel lighter. Um, I, this is, I mean, there's so much we don't know, but I, there is, of course, a relationship between thought, our thoughts and our bodies. And, you know, for certain clients, I talk, I talk about that. And certain clients, it's not really where they're coming from. They just want to know, well, what, what does a, a balanced meal look like? So you got to work with people as individuals and, and, and find out what sort of language works for them because it isn't just one size fits all. Um, and that's why I work one-to-one with people because I do workshops and speak at events, not at the moment because of uh, COVID, but I love to be in front of a large audience but you know working with someone one-to-one is 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 you know the best way to get results that's interesting i mean i suppose for you would you would you say that you love yourself you like yourself you value yourself i know my own value yeah Hmm. and that's a difference between and again i always say people people always say to me i don't feel i haven't i don't feel full of confidence i don't feel full of self-worth i'm like nor do i <laughs> i don't i i realized a long time ago you know i do trust some of my things and I, there's some of my things i don't trust i can't always feel my own self-worth but i know it i know it because it's just a fact it's a bit like do we understand electricity not really do we know it works we do so i'll go down the electricity analogy all day long <laughs> i don't understand i don't always I don't know really how to articulate that on a feeling level, but on, on, a, on a knowledge, I know my worth because I tell myself I'm worthy and I believe we all are. So that's the fact. And we learn through repetition because most people I speak to, they say, well, I, I don't feel it and I don't think it's true. And I go, well, when you first had a driving lesson, did you know how to drive the car? Well, no, because we learn through repetition. So, and for me, you, we reinforce our own innate value through quite practical things by what we eat, how we move, how we talk to ourselves, how we sleep, how we take care of our skin, how we value our energy levels. You know, they can be quite practical. Um, so I, so I, yes, I do love myself, but if I were to use a phrase, I would say, I know my value. Um, which feels a bit deeper because I think, oh, you know, everyone's saying, oh, love yourself, love yourself. And it, it just becomes a bit of a bumper sticker. And another little, another little phrase on Facebook, which if you ever check out my Facebook page, I do do, I do, I do, do those phrases. But I want to unpick it like, well, what, what does that actually mean? For me, self-value or self-care is building up a relationship with yourself where you recognize your own value. Now that can look like different things. I mean, that's for me, that is a whole range of things. I take, I take magnificent care of myself and that's not a boast. 
I work at it. I value myself. My life reflects the value I place on myself. That's yeah. That's that's very interesting, as you say. As you, you know, that you take it that that taking care of yourself and that, you know, uh, attention to your own well-being. And are you generally quite good at, at understanding yourself? I mean, are you in alignment with well, yourself? I am. Didn't used to be. Mm. So I've always been sensitive and aware, but when I had a nervous breakdown 10 years ago, I was like, right, I'm really going to have to, I'm really going to have to start investing in myself physically and emotionally, have to get to know my body and myself. And I'm still doing it, but I notice because I think if you've been through a hard time, I think people do become sensitive. And I, you know, earlier on today, I've had a really busy few days. I felt really tired earlier. And I have a few things to do, but they weren't essential. So I watched a, a fun program on telly, lay on the sofa for half an hour. I was like, I, I give myself permission to do that because I didn't used to. I didn't, I was like quite, quite tough with myself and didn't, I wasn't very patient with myself. And maybe that's partly getting older, partly, you know, what I've been practicing for years is, is showing up as habits now. But I do, I do, I am kind, much, much kinder to myself than I used to be because I choose to be. Talk to me about that sort of previous life, if you like, because, you know, you, you one, you're coming across very kinesthetic anyway. And, you know, how that, that previous life and how that felt compared to now. Well, it's night and day. I look back with compassion, but I also shudder. <laughs> <laughs> because you know when you know better you do better simple as that i look back you know before breakdown and after breakdown you know and it wasn't like night and day immediately but i am i'm not the person i was because i was just you know just desperate for external validation desperate for other people to tell me i was good enough and I wasn't hopefully coming across too desperate. I wasn't like begging people, but you know, it was, I, I don't know how to feel good about myself. I wasn't emotionally grounded. I didn't know my own worth. I didn't know my ass, my elbow. Now that's my elbow, but I'm not going to show you my ass. <laughs> <laughs> as perky as it is, <laughs> you're not going to see it. So, you know, and maybe that's just partly maturing, but I, I worked it. I was like, God, I really am so affected by what other people think about me and whether they love me or not, or just, just a very external living. I had no idea of my own, my own value. My value was if someone else thought I was good enough. And I didn't realize that at the time, I just went from one disastrous relationship to another or one obsessive compulsive situation to another. And then when you find yourself in a, you know, psychiatric ward in South Africa, you know, in a, in a institution as, as lovely as it was, where there's an armed guard on the front door and you can't open the windows for more than three inches because people, you know, people kill themselves. I was like, oh God, I better look at my, I better look at my shit, so to speak. And I had a few weeks there, nothing else to do. <laughs> Apart from drinking red bush tea. Um, was like okay what am I doing and it certainly wasn't like an overnight thing but I'm so happy that I can look back at the most painful two or three years of my entire life and be grateful because you know uh, if I could have just limped along 
but life had other plans. It's like we, my life came completely crashing to the floor, which is horrible. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And I, want, I don't want to go through that again. But I am grateful for it now because I just had to really look at myself and grow. And it was not easy and it took ages. It certainly wasn't, oh, well, I was, I was lost. And then, you know, then I was found and it was all better. It took a long time. It took at least four years after rehab to, to start to find myself again. I took a lot of effort, but it was sink or swim. And I was like, I'm going to swim. But for quite a while, I was wearing armbands. <laughs> I, you know, it, I hate those situations where like, oh, well, I had a breakdown, then I had a breakthrough. And then I was like, my life was just brilliant. It's like, no, it wasn't for me. It took a long time. Lots of therapy and medication and self-care and patience. Years years and my life now is a reflection of all that effort which at the time you know, i didn't know it'd lead to this but it, it has and i'm really grateful for grateful for it so it has been an extreme change in my life but the core of me is is still the same it's still the same but how i live is very different i am much more grounded i am much more in charge of how i feel about myself as opposed to other people giving my power away um yeah and just in that expression are you clear about what sort of knocked you off path sort of pre-breakdown as such you know because you you mentioned that you've come back to yourself or you're always the same person which i, I believe fundamentally we are as as children but then we all sort of we go off on paths and, and separate yeah. from our true selves yeah yeah so what's the question <laughs> <laughs> Well, the question is, are you, are you clear about how you sort of got off path? I, was, I went off path uh, from like the age of two off, uh, onwards, you know, and just one kind of catastrophe after another. Um, and then, you know, when something massive happens, like a breakdown, I, you know, you're like, wow, I am so lost. But I, I, I you know, there, I found my way back and mu in a much healthier way. So I just kind of, I took a lot of effort. I took a lot of effort, but I now know what, what was going on, uh, which was, I had no idea of who I was and my value and believing that love was something you earn uh, and that it only, you can only get it from other people. And then I was like, mm, that's not really going to work. <laughs> because if that, you know, I got a situation to the stage where, I couldn't, I could barely breathe if I didn't get the affirmation I craved. I mean, I would literally just be shaking with anxiety. It's not a lot of fun. So I was like, that's, that's not going to work. And, uh, you know, and I found lots of other people who felt the same way, you know, but in slightly, with a slightly different angle, that people were really disconnected from themselves and really were lost. And they were looking for drugs or alcohol or money or status or sex or whatever else. Um, to um, make them feel good about themselves. And, you know, that's kind of putting a plaster over it. So, yeah, it was a very long process and I'm still working on it. And I'm a hundred times better than I was. So, I mean, many, many Tristan, what were we looking at as, as, a, as a young fella? Oh, uh, quite sad. 
quite sad, but with kind of a, a little bit of, there was, I've always had a spark and a sparkle, but life kind of, you know, there was always this kind of like determination to, to break free of my circumstances. Cause I grew up in a very challenging environment. You know, my parents split up when I was a baby. My mum was a single parent, um, single parent household. Financially, things were very, very difficult. My mum was not very, you know, she had a lot going on herself with her mental health. So growing up feeling incredibly vulnerable and not safe. So therefore craving other people's reassurance and my value was what other people thought of me because that was a coping mechanism. So I've learned a lot about how I dealt with trauma, which was obviously to personalize it and that I needed to do things in order to earn love. So I spent my childhood kind of, you know, quite lost and lonely, I think. Uh, but still, you know, I had a little playful thing going on as well. You know, I've always been quite creative and playful and w had a sense of humour, which really got me through. So I've always had a slightly mischievous side, even in the most challenging times. And so as a child, I would, you know, really, was, you know, really in to make believe. Well, do you think humour, I mean, humour quite often will be close to the, sort of the pleaser gene, if you like, you know, it's the, the need to entertain, to, to seek... Yeah, I, here's what I don't want to do. I, you know, we can, most people who are really funny, there's some pain there. I'm okay with it. Mm. You know, I, I don't, I definitely, I think, I think I naturally am funny. I don't try, I used to try and be funny. And now I allow myself to be funny if, if appropriate. So yeah, I definitely, you know, early on realized that actually making people laugh was currency. And that's why I went into entertainment, you know, as a way of being loved. And I'm good at it. So it was kind of a, you know, win-win. But it, it there was more that I wanted to do. So as a child, I think I must have learned that, that you know, being good, being funny, being clever was, was really useful. So, you know, you, could, you kind of look at, you look at your external environment and, and think, well, what's working? Okay, so when I'm funny, people like me, so I'll do a bit more of that. Or when I dress a certain way or act a certain way or I, you know, behave a certain way, people seem to respond to that. So, yeah, I think our personalities can be really formed by that. And so when I had my breakdown, I was like, OK, so I couldn't really feel very funny, although I had a great time in rehab <laughs> because it was so terrible. It was hilarious. It was hilarious because it was so awful. <laughs> but there is a lot of. I, I can often be, one of the things I love that maybe I've, it's a gift or whether I've cultivated it, I can be in the middle of the most painful situation and still find it funny. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, is, is that, is that dissociation or is that? Probably, probably. Yeah. Hmm. Or it's, I have an ability to see the bigger picture. Who knows? Hmm. I think there's so many, it's so complicated. Yes, I'm sure there is a kind of, I can't, deal with this and therefore I'm going to disassociate. There are other parts of me who think that it's a gift to see some perspective and go, you know what, life's an illusion. Mm. Life is a weird, matrixy, groundhog day, you know, situation. And this isn't, this isn't all there is. Mm. So it's ridiculous. And I often, you know, and, I, and it's, some of it's quite playful. Like if I remember being in this, um, when I was in this uh, place in South Africa, just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And at the same time thinking, oh my God, this would be a really 
great scene in a movie. <laughs> uh, I'm really going to just like have some extra sobbing and really enjoy it. That may make me sound absolutely crazy, but I was like, I'm not just this emotion. I am not just my pain. I am not just what I'm going through. Underneath all of that, you know what? Everything's okay. Everything's okay. And actually finding a little bit of humor where appropriate, some of it, most of the time it was not funny, but there were moments where I was like, this is hilarious because it's just so ridiculous. Because I'm like, I'm not, all, I'm not just this. This isn't the entirety of me. This is just, a, this is just something that's going on. So yeah, I, I'm very grateful for that. Whether it's disassociation or not, it helped. <laughs> and I still use it. I still use it. So tell us, Junior Tristan, what, uh, what, what were you going to do when you sort of grew up? When I was very young, I just, I wanted to be Wonder Woman mm -hmm. um, or an archaeologist. Yeah. Can't I want quite, to be an Can't quite see the correlation, but okay. Well, about it. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know one is one is a superhero one is looking for treasure and here's the thing i found my treasure it was inside of me uh, <laughs> yeah it's beautiful well i went yeah i wanted to be i always thought i'd want to be madonna's backing dancer i went through that phase for a bit um i wanted to be fabulous i wanted to be joan collins and dynasty for a bit that went through that phase i wanted to do something that was larger than life but I've always really been interested in academic stuff. So I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to be an author. I'd love to be an archeologist. I'd love to be an intellectual. So I suppose growing up now, I'm like a bit of both. Mm. I, uh, I am a performer and I am someone who is very um, interested in my mind and other people's minds and how, and the more serious and deeper things in life. So I, I quite like that combination because I'm not one thing. None of us are one thing. I'm, I'm all things maybe slightly more at different times but when i was young i yeah and i wanted to be i wanted also just wanted to be you know like like uh riding in the in the batmobile with batman i think it was the lycra uh, if i'm honest with you i did write to jim will fix it back in the day and jim will fix it wasn't uh what he is saying please dear jim i remember writing this and had the j was the wrong way round. i was like four or five can you fix it for me to ride in the batmobile with batman didn't hear back got it so that's, that's what's up, happened I dressed, I dressed up as batman a lot so i think i just wanted to be a superhero mm. yeah it's kind of sweet don't you think absolutely because i knew my mum would buy me the wonder woman outfit because <laughs> that's what i really wanted <laughs> you can live it up somehow you know i was like as soon as the back was turned i was twirling around with my magic rope just to try not to do it in front of the in front of the other boys in the in the village because that would not have gone down well. Bless me, bless me, growing up in Cornwall in in the seventies. <laughs> Had to keep my Wonder Woman fantasy to myself. Oh, I love it. So, what what did you do then? What what being being a Wonder Woman? Yeah, <laughs> once uh, you know, getting through school and coming out. What what was your was your go to? Because I'm assuming you you didn't become Wonder Woman and uh, archaeologist. Well, say that. <laughs> so what did I do? I did A levels. I failed them. Then I went to university. Ended up doing theology and philosophy at university. Wow. I see. I've always had this kind of like weird relationship between one minute wanting to be 
Razzly Dazzly on stage, the next minute want to be in a library with dusty books. So I went from academia and then I went to performing arts school. <laughs> and then I went from uh, help being a business coach to being a stand-up performer or comic. And then I ricocheted, now I'm a coach, but I, I, I still have the performer in me where I, when I speak at events and I'm interviewed and I do workshops. So I, I get the best of both worlds right now. I think I was just like ricocheting from one extreme to the other. I've done some crazy things over the years, crazy different businesses and bizarre ways to make money. But I look back now with like fondness because I was just determined not just to work for a living. I was, ne I was never going to do that. I'd rather be poor, and I was, um, than just sit in an office and go, well, what time, what time are you leaving today, Maureen? Oh, I'm leaving at five, but oh, I need to get off early. And, oh, so what are you doing this weekend? Oh, nothing. What about you? Oh, well, you know. You know, not, I'm not saying that's what people do, but that was my idea of what people did. And I was like, that's not going to happen to me. So if you weren't working for a living, what were you doing for a living? Well, I was, I was earning money, but I wasn't, I wasn't uh, prepared to do something I hated. So I did loads of different things. I, I, you know, I've done cleaning. I worked as a party butler. Uh, these are all businesses I made up, by the way. Uh, Tristan's, what's it called? Diamond Dusters, my cleaning business. <laughs> uh, I, my, uh, Tristan's Butler Experience, did that for a bit. Um, I just said it was a lady for a bit called Crystal Chandelier. It was a mix and mingle meet and greet female impersonator. I did that for a bit. I dressed up as, in various costumes and sang for people at parties. I had a cat minding service called uh, Pussy Galore. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'll try anything. Anything that is just a little bit different. And uh, I'm very proud of myself for that because looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? What was I thinking? I was like, I just wanted to find my own thing. And I'm really glad that I did it because I was exploring all different parts of myself until I found what I was looking for. It almost sounds like a dress rehearsal. You know, you're trying on different things until... Literally. Hmm. Literally. <laughs> humes. I mean, I, I, it's so hilarious to look back because the things I have done, God, I should write a book about just the crazy things I've done that were kind of little business ideas. I had another, uh, another thing I did called Tristan's Dance Science Experience, which I just made that up, which was like personal training through dance at people's homes, did that for a bit, <laughs> just made it up. Um, I've always liked that kind of playful, you know what, just try it. Uh, so yeah, I would agree, it has been a dress rehearsal because what I've done, I suppose, is combined all those lessons all those experiences together um, and they've all they all in their own way led me to what I'm doing now which was never the plan but I'm it's exactly what I meant to be doing you know it, it takes all the boxes that's it's funny you say that so I mean you're at this well let's let before we get there in terms of your life and all these trials and, and sort of testing on of different things I mean how was your mental state through there? I mean, were you, were you happy just working away or were you just searching or what was it? I think, um, I think, yeah, searching, searching and just trying to be in the moment and go, okay, I don't think this is the thing, 
but I'm going to make the most of it. And I earned really good money doing it, you know, like because other people didn't want to do it. <laughs> so if I was turning up at a party dressed as a, a 1950s glamour purse, which I did, I got paid a hundred pounds an hour. So I was like, well, this, this is not my life's work, but I'm, I'm dressing up, I'm having fun and I'm providing a, an interesting and unique service that is moving me towards the next thing. Um, but I knew it wasn't the thing, but I was doing the best I could in that situation. And was like, no, I know this isn't it. This is not what I'm here to do, but I don't know what it is I'm gonna do. But this is, seems to be something I want to explore because I feel this will get me to the next step. So um, it wasn't always a very happy time uh, because I was like, what am I doing? This is crazy. But I was like, okay, this seems to be the next thing. And I just sort of trusted, trusted that this would lead me somewhere over time and it has. It's interesting. You almost talk about yourself in the third person as such, you know, right. <laughs> just in certain in that period of your life, you know, what am I doing? You know, and things like asking yourself questions and, and uh, yeah, posing the question to yourself. It's a, an in, interesting dialogue. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, looking back, it probably is. Yeah, I was, I was aware that this, you know, like, I'm in the moment, not in the moment, living it, questioning it, you know, just trying to follow the lead, follow the whisper of life. Um, and, I, and I look back mostly with enormous amount of pride. <laughs> because I'm like, wow, I did some crazy stuff some crazy, fabulous, ridiculous stuff. And I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that I tried so many different things and never gave up on searching and seeking. I suppose because I read The Alchemist at quite a young age. I think that's what it was. I was like, I know this journey will probably lead me back to the beginning and I will meet people on the way and they'll all kind of remind me of what I knew in the first place. So that's what it's been a kind of circle of life moment, I think, back, back to the beginning. Um, and so I'm very fortunate. I can look back and go, wow, I'm so glad all that happened because I'm, I'm so happy with where I am now, which is a lovely, lovely and very uh, gratifying place to be. So talk to us. I mean, you're saying so you got to your early 30s and... Really, that's when, well, you tell me what was happening. So, yeah, I just, I mean, my, there's a lot going on in my 30s. You know, my breakdown happened in my late 30s. Um, just whatever I was doing was getting worse. So some of my reactions to situations, people, relationships, the react, reactions and were just getting worse and worse and worse. So life was kind of saying, you need to look at this. And I was like, I would, I would recover from an episode of, of, of obsessive compulsive behavior. And then my mind would forget that I'd done that. And then I'd do it again. It just got worse and worse and worse until I couldn't ignore it. And it was usually to do with relationships and what other people thought of me. And it just became just increasingly obvious that this was eventually going to kill me. And that's, that was like, oh my God, you know, that rock bottom moment. I was like, wow, this is literally going to kill me because my reaction to it was so extreme. And, you know, but I, and I, I look back with gratitude now because if I, as I said earlier, if I hadn't had that, I would have just limped on 
you know, with the with the proverb sitting on the proverbial nus nasty rail, rusty nail. <laughs> and um, yeah, just lots of self-destructive behavior, you know, lots of uh, not valuing myself, not being true to myself. Now, I'm not being vague here because uh, it's difficult to explain what I was going through, but had no sense of my own my own worth in some ways i kind of thought i had high self-esteem because anyone that meets me be like, oh my god you're so you're so confident and you're so funny and yet there's a part of me and i'm sure that's true for all of us that is like a total mess and it just was getting worse and worse and worse until i couldn't handle it anymore and then i um everything just completely fell apart and i was fortunate that i had the money and I, I knew someone who'd recommended a, a rehab center for, you know, anxiety and depression. And I knew I needed to get the hell out of this country. And I thought, if you're going to recover from a nervous breakdown, then Cape Town is no bad place to do it. So I, off I went. And it was also half the price of London. <laughs> so it all worked out for me. And I wasn't like, oh, yip dee yip dee doo skipping off to South Africa. It was horrible. But it was, a, you know, it, the sun was shining. At the very least, the sun was shining and the food was very good. Um, and it was a very, very slow and painful recovery. But whatever was going on was, you know, it needed to happen. Mm. And it, it, took, it was a very, very painful and slow process. But it was a turning point for me. Which is, you know, which I'm really grateful for now because I would... I'd, I just think it, I could have so easily just carried on with that behavior for another 10 or 20 years until life, you know, until life eventually was like, you know, I can't take this anymore and off I go. Cause that's where it was headed. But, um, you know, that thankfully didn't happen. Do you believe in universal power, spiritual power, anything, you know, or in terms of, sort of everything coming together at that time to sort of enable yeah it was all meant to be it was all meant to be it was all meant to be yeah i i there's i feel there's a kind of a flow uh, some sort of link to everything that's gone on and i'm glad i have that now whether that's wishful thinking or not i don't really care this was meant to happen this was meant to happen mm -hmm. that what sparked the darkest time of my life brought about incredible growth and change and I don't want to, I've said this four times already, I don't want to be simplistic about it because it wasn't like, oh my God, hooray. I was like, what the hell's going on? It wasn't clear. It wasn't like, oh, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to become a coach. It was, I had to really start to take care of myself. I learned some lessons, people noticed, and then they asked me to help them. And then I grew in my skills as a coach as I went along. Um, because my qualifications I'm self-taught as well as I mean I study psychology and I you know I, I, I know what I'm doing but it's not a traditional route that I took because it you know you know it was uh, unexpected but yeah I, I, I think it I think it was all meant to be I absolutely sure of it I know with every every ounce of my being that that was meant to happen and I'm really grateful for it and I wouldn't have said that at the time <laughs> No, unless I mean, well, I mean, the, the, the phrase, you know, from, was it from great uh, overwhelm comes great change, you know, to, yeah. to coin another phrase. But yeah. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I know the, you know, the little cliches that we bound about sometimes have, have a grain of truth, of course. You know, my breakdown was my breakthrough. And I kept telling myself that thinking, well, I'm not really feeling the breakthrough right now. But I knew, I knew it was important and significant. And I was like, actually, I'm kind of grateful because it kind of, when life kind of knocks you down, I, was, I really felt I had to build myself up from scratch. And that was very difficult because I didn't know how. But I do have, I think it's my Viking blood. There is a kind of like fiery determination. I'm sure it's in there somewhere where this is not the end of me. No, don't count. I'm not, don't, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. Maybe a little, a little ginger fighter, but I am a fighter nonetheless. You know, like I, I've, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a fiery temperament. I've got a fire in my belly. See what I did there. Love it. And so I was like, I'm going to keep fan that flame. I have visions of you going into a building in South Africa, screaming, I'll be back as you walk through the doors. I don't know whether I've over-dramatized it in my head. Screaming in South Africa, I tell you, because it was the first time in my life where I was like, I'm not going to be nice. I'm not even going to be funny. I'm not going to be anything other than swearing at people. I was nice to people as well. But I, it's like, if I didn't like something, I thought I'm paying £7,000 to be here. I say, you can all beep yourself, you can bleep yourself. I was fully expressed. And I'm not saying all that behavior was admirable, but I was like, I don't care if you like me. And it was very liberating. And other people were going through the same thing. <laughs> so I, I really found my fire in South Africa. I was like, you can go shove it. And it wasn't about the people. Mm. Yeah. But I definitely found my voice. Um, I'm sure some of them are still like, oh my God, remember that guy who just completely <laughs> every day. That was me. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, it's, it's almost, it sounds like a healthy cathartic process that we could all can do with, you know? Well, I didn't want to leave because it felt like a very safe space, but I did have to leave. Um, but it was, you know, like the best thing I ever did, really, because it was like, okay, I'm here. It's time to look at my life. And I was like, oh, it was painful. Oh, my God. And liberating and interesting. And we had a good time. Well, as a chat, it was just tears and laughter, you know, back to back. But it was, you know, having that time to, you know, it's very intensive because, you know, if you've ever been to a rehab clinic or therapy, intensive therapy, there's lots of written work, lots of group discussions, lots of lots of African drumming. And I was like, do we really have to do this? <laughs> lots of crafts. And I was like, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to make a wind chime. <laughs> but I was like, all right. I've got, I think it's, I don't know. I have like a, we all have dual personalities. Partly I'm incredibly open-minded and open-hearted. The part of me is extremely cynical and dismissive. <laughs> so, so I'm always like back battling between those two things but it worked because i actually tell you what i've got a prop i know few that are listening the day i left i have this on my desk and i look at it every day so i'm not going to tell you the name of this clinic but on one side it's got the name of the clinic it's a coin you get it when you leave like a kind of graduation out you go kind of moment on the back it says i am responsible well and i was like oh now that's a word i've always had problems with I have less problems with the word responsible. But I look at that, I am responsible actually. I'm responsible for my happiness. I am responsible for my 
wellness. I'm responsible for my self-esteem. I'm responsible for my business. That doesn't mean I'm an island. I need help and support and guidance. But at the end of the day, I have the value and the self-worth and the ability to create whatever I want, whether that's business, whether that's health, whether that's whatever else. You know, I am able. I am response-able. So I carry that around with me, remind myself I am responsible. Because I don't think I felt it at the time. <laughs> Far from it. I was like, I'm not responsible. I'm irresponsible. And you have the gorgeousness. Well, the gorgeousness, I think I, I blame Dynasty for that. You know, you're probably too young for the Dynasty, but there we go. But I don't know. I For me, it's it's just like... As I said earlier, I do find a humor in some things. I'm like, I have a dark sense of humor. I think certain things are really funny, they shouldn't be, whether that's deflection, uh, I disident disidentification, whatever. I'm like, but I, you know, I do have a, I do have humor and I use it. And it's been a lifesaver. It's healthy literally. too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, who, who, who would have thought, you know, only a few years ago, I was like all over the place. And now, you know, life is good. Life isn't perfect, but life is good. Mm. So I'm, I feel very lucky and I've worked at it. I tell you, it's not, it's not just gone like, oh, I'll just sit back and wait for it to happen. But little, little steps, little steps. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting times. In my mind, I'm seeing the script of Tristan flew over the cuckoo's nest coming out. Yeah, it's going to be a musical. Yeah, I get Julia Roberts to play me. Um, Brad Pitt to play you, of course. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Everyone's got a book in them, haven't they? A movie. Um, I've done some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff over the years. It would make a good story. Actually, we, we've all got a book, haven't we? I mean, I've written, a couple, I've written a couple of books, but they're not about my story. But there's been, there'd be some good costumes in it, at the very least. Um, and some big highs. I've done some crazy stuff and I'm very proud of it. But at the time I was like, what am I doing? But I kind of had a sense it was part of the journey and I'm incredibly proud of that. Are you feeling open to commit? To what? Writing a book. Um, yeah, yeah. I've already, what I did, actually what I did about three months ago during lockdown, I did, I tested the water. So I wrote the introduction to a book and I put the introduction out as a Facebook post as in part one of my story. It got such an incredible response. I started the, the, the book um, like me leaving rehab and that piqued people's interest. Then I wrote three more parts about what happened over the next couple of years or three or four. I kind of basically cut the, cut the kind of four part basically four part story of my life between leaving rehab and now, so to speak, but obviously very condensed. And I had an incredible response to it because I was like, I'm not, I'm just going to tell you the truth. This is what actually happened. You know, I suffered from mental health problems. Uh, this happened, this happened. I wasn't, wasn't a pity party. I was just explaining what was going on. Um, some of the lessons I learned, how I end up doing what I'm doing now. And it got an incredible reaction. So I will write a book. Yeah, I commit. I'm happy to commit to that. I'm happy to, it's going to be called, let me think. <laughs> it's going to be called Bow Ties, 
and um, something else. I should think of a title really, shouldn't I? Well, what the book, what the actual, the series that I did on Facebook was called Behind the Bow Tie. There you go. Based, based on the film, uh, Behind the Candelabra, which was um, a really good movie about the story of Liberace, which was, there's a lot going on behind this bow tie. Don't know that bow tie for you. <laughs> so when can we look forward to it? Yeah, uh, yeah, you can look forward to it. I'm not gonna commit. Oh, you want me to commit, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I'm not saying I, I won't, I, I will write it. I do think I have a couple more books before I get to that bit. Um, but I've already, let's say I've already written the, I've already written the kind of the outline. So I've already done the synopsis because I've written it already. Mm. Um, so I've already got the template. So that's good, isn't it? Behind the bow tie. Yeah. From drab to fab. <laughs> got the ponses. Well, that from drabulous to fabulous. Oh, yes. There you go. To gorgeousness. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I, I, I would love to write a book just because it's so nice to reflect when you're in a good place to reflect. Mm. And I am in a really good place. I'm like, wow, isn't it fascinating what led me to here? You know, it's like sliding doors. So easily, if that little moment hadn't happened, that little moment hadn't happened, and someone hadn't said, oh, there's a clinic in South Africa. Because I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And she's all oh, my girlfriend went there and... Um, they help people who have got, you know, mental health issues and addiction issues. And I was like, oh my God, sounds great. It's Cape Town, what's not to love? You know, just little conversations here and there just completely changed the course of my life. It's quite amazing and a bit scary as well. Um, but yeah, wouldn't it be amazing to write a book? Cause it would be really funny. You know, like, um, what's his name? There's a couple of funny writers that I like. So Armistead Mupin or Malpin or, What's his name? Like Tales of the City, I think it's called. Uh, like funny, funny, sad. Mm. Because I don't want to write a funny book. I don't want to write just a sad book. Like there's been a lot of laughter in my life and there's been a lot of total horrific <laughs> situations as well. But I think that's true for most people. Like in my head, I'm just going through, it's like from, you know, gangrenous to gorgeousness. Gangrenous. <laughs> wow, that's a gangrene. Gangrene to mandarine to, I don't know, I think about it. But yeah, I don't know. It would be funny, wouldn't it? You've got me thinking. I'm thinking, right, I need to write a mini-series mm. and get Joan Collins to play my, my mum. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You could do, what is it? The, those, the model, what do you call the ones where the, the one actor does all the, you know, you could, Crystal Chandelabra can come back out and uh, be your, your mother. I, obviously, apart from someone like, uh, what's it called? Um, Eddie Redmayne, who can play me, because someone once told me I looked like him and I was like, yeah, I wish. Um, but I would like to play me. I would be like, you know, I still, because I am blessed with young genes, I could play me at 20. And I'm actually 50 next year. I reckon I could play me at 50. So we save, you save a lot of money on different actors. I'm like, I'll play, play me at, you know, newborn, easy. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it's done. Yeah, you shave the head and sort of, yeah, you'd be grand. You know, that's you newborn. There you go. My head, I, I, I'm too attached to my hair, but I know what you're saying. We can CGI a, mm. a Boldy on me. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, wouldn't it be fun? That must be such a thrill. Like the people that have, you know, let's say written their story, then Hollywood makes it into a movie. Can you imagine how exciting that would be? They're like, oh my God. And it's like, 
like they've got it really badly wrong and it, they've made it much more glamorous than it was. I will, that's, that's perfect for me. I'm like, I never did a choreographed dance routine on the beach um, in South Africa, but if you want to put that in the movie, go ahead. Pay me 10 million pounds, go for it. <laughs> That'd be funny. That would be hilarious watching a Hollywood star play you. Yeah. Out of body experience. Hmm. I, think be, I think it'd be hilarious. What's your superpower? Um, my superpower, oh, that's a really good question. Uh, is, I've got two different things I could say. I could say something funny or I could say something serious. Hmm, might do both. My superpower is I'm, I, I'm very good at accessorizing. <laughs> so that's silly and flippant. My other superpower, my real superpower is I do have the ability to, to connect with people. Do you feel connected? To who? Yourself, the universe, others. I do feel connected to the universe. I'm working on my connection with others. Um, and I do feel connected to myself. And that's, that's an ongoing process. Mm. Yeah. I do feel more and more connected because I'm connected to myself. And I do believe we're all, we're all part of the bigger picture. So, and I'm a big fan. Every day I walk in nature and I'm like, I really do feel more grounded. Mm. And that's lovely. That's a lovely thing. So I do, I do feel a sense of connection. Um, and I'm working on my connection with some of my interpersonal relationships, which has not always been particularly good. Uh, but I do feel connected to something more than myself, for sure. Oh, definitely. Mm. I definitely am like, I'm tapping into something here, something universal. I'm all about the subconscious mind, whether you call that the spirit, the soul. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping into that, definitely. I'm trying to get out of my head and get into a bigger space. If that makes any sense. Yeah, super subconscious. Go for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. All over it. Leisure and pleasure. Say again. Leisure and pleasure. What about it? What's your go-to? Um, my pleasure is my leisure. So my work is my business. My business is my work. So I'm, I'm you know, here's, we're all extremes. Like I'm really outgoing and can be outrageous, but actually, mostly, I'm quiet. And I'm by myself. Yeah. So I like to read. Um, I actually messaged Princess Diana's butler, Paul Burrell, the other day. If Paul's listening, he messaged me back. So I tend to, I'm really interested in history and uh, Victorian times, Roman history. I, I watch a lot of history. Um, I read a lot. Uh, I, yeah, I'm quite quiet and, and quite academic. But I also have a part of me that's quite showy-offy and playful and mischievous but i have quite simple tastes at the moment i can't really do much to go anywhere but i do love you know art and history and things like that i'm not a clubbing kind of guy i like i'm i eat really good food i love good food yeah i like uh, yeah i like i like quality things so, do you believe in past lives I don't know if I don't believe or I do believe um, I'm open. I don't know. I, I, I have friends who really are into it and I'm like, I possibly, I'm totally open. I don't know. I don't think you need to know. 
I'm open to that being something that could be true. Why not? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't I haven't really thought about it in any great detail, but I have. I say I have friends that really do believe in it. Um, and if 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 time is a loop, then maybe we are coming back again. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, yeah, I think if I had to say yes or no, I'll go, yeah, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah I'm like, what? I, I can't see any reason why. Can't disprove it. Uh, you can't prove it either. But if you, here's what I believe. If you believe that you come back again, you do. Mm. So I think we create our reality. You know, we, who knows what we're creating with our, with our thoughts? We could be creating universes with our thoughts. Absolutely. If you believe you're going to heaven, you're going to heaven. If you believe yeah. heaven is a place that looks like X, Y, and Z, it does because that's what you believe and you'll go where you believe. Yeah. So if you believe that's what's going on, yeah. If you believe in past lives and you know, reincarnation, then you will. Maybe we're more powerful than we know. Absolutely. Is there a certain mantra you try to live to? Um, oh, I've got various things I say. Um, I mean, I've got some phrases, you know, um, what, 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 what can I say? A mantra. That's a, that's a challenging one. I don't have got a mantra, but I do say things, um, like, you know, I'm a, I, one of the things I like to say to myself is, you know, I am a magnificent work in progress. Tell myself that. I have things. I don't know if it's a mantra though. Yeah. What's yours? You got one? I suppose several, but I mean, one is just to, you know, live life with no regrets and trying to live in a flow state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose I don't have formulated that. that I say things like that to myself, but I've never called them a mantra before. Mm. You know, I am, I am uh, motivated by, by, you know, realizing my potential. Like my ambition is to just be myself. Mm. Mm unapologetically and fully what have i got in front of me okay here we go here's this you want to hear this i've got in front of me on my desk here's my intention this could be a mantra couldn't it okay here we go to bring the fullest most fabulous amusing gorgeous wealthy abundant unique quirky glamorous caring care generous ray of hope and light expression of myself to the entire world by being unapologetically myself it's a bit wordy but then <laughs> not very, not very, just, not very punchy. Just take the last two words and you'll be great, you know. Being unapologetically myself. Yeah, I suppose if I had to pick a mantra, that I'm, I am being unapologetically myself, and I practice it hmm. because there's pressure not to be. And I'm like, what you see is what you get. Hmm. And not always the case. So yeah, I think that's going to be my mantra from now on. I am unapologetically myself. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> What's a guilty pleasure for you? Guilty pleasure. God, it's a really good question. I do. I get interested in a lot of podcasts and these are good questions. Just give me some feedback. Guilty pleasure. Oh God, it sounds really boring. I mean, I just, give me a, give me a historical um, documentary. Do you, want, do you want to give me the most common one? Common what? Common, common what? response. What is it? Galaxy chocolate. Oh my God. Guilty pleasure. Isn't that interesting? Chocolate. I don't know why. And this is this is across the entire oh. globe. People just uh, my current guilty pleasure 
it's, it's not it's not funny and it's not interesting but there's a program I, i'm watching on youtube called till debt do us part and it's filmed about 15 years ago in canada and it's basically this fabulous woman called gail and she goes into people's homes and she helps them with their debt and i've been binge watching that that's my current guilty pleasure because i'm just interested in how people turn their lives around and i think she's fabulous so it's the gangrest to the gorgeousness side of it. There we go. Yeah, I just need, I need to, maybe we need to work on the, the word gangrene. I don't think it's that going to work on a book title. Who knows? It has the shock factor, you know, that's what it's all about. Like gangrene? It? <laughs> it's like, yeah, potentially deadly if left, but yeah, has to be oh, cut out. No, I'm, 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 I'm taking it on. It's just, it's just a word I need to get used to. <laughs> oh dear, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I won't, I won't be signing up to a book writing course anytime soon. But yeah. <laughs> I just want to be respectful of your time. So tell us, I mean, how can people reach out to you, hunt you down, stalk you? Where do people go? Uh, well, I'm not going to give my address. That's what you're <laughs> there. Because I mean, like, people might be at my house going, what's going on with you? Um, well, it's Tristan Lee, the gorgeousness coach. I can't imagine there's more than one gorgeousness coach. So you should find me um, on all the, you know, on all the obvious social media platforms at real tristan lee uh facebook page tristan lee the gorgeous coach i have a private facebook groups free to join which i think you joined today didn't you tristan's mm -hmm. gorgeous gang. uh so that's tristan's gorgeous gang and then my website is tristanlee.com why are the gorgeous where does gorgeousness come from it came from came from my inner sense of gorgeousness so you know as i said earlier gorgeousness just a fun word yeah love it it's a fun word if you were to summarize then your fire in the belly in one or two words uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with what we just talked about so i'm gonna say the fire in my belly is is i am determined to be unapologetically myself beautiful Justin, that's, been... that's that's what i'm gonna do that's that, that's what i'm doing yeah <laughs> Love it. Justin, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. And uh, Such you know. interesting questions. Thank you. What a delight. Really thought-provoking questions. I, I really do need to kind of have a little, uh, you know, download some of this, this, uh, this thoughts we've been having. Awesome. You got, you got the light version too, so. <laughs> wow. Wow. Podcast light. <laughs> oh, I love it. Justin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. Do you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.